Welcome, welcome to the Wolves Within Podcast. It is September 2nd down here in uh, Ozland, and I'm glad to see you back. A few things to go into today. We're going to talk about the DOJ's slow pace, Facebook terms and conditions, the argument of both sides of politics sucks. And uh, I'm going to get into some George Soros stuff because I feel like that's the point that everyone's really missing with this whole BLM movement. So let's start with the first one, the uh, DOJ slow pace. Um, So last night I was watching Tucker and he brought on the uh, director of Homeland Security and asked him pretty point blank, look, we have rioting, we have terroristic threats. We have violence. We have murder. Why is it that the DOJ is not pressing charges on these people? And I love that he brought that up because I couldn't help but feel the exact same way. I have no idea why in the world the Department of Justice hasn't been able to set up cases on these people who are organizing BLM and going out and committing all of these crimes. Now, from what I've seen, it's pretty ironic to me that we went from Antifa being the arm of the Democratic Party, then Trump declares Antifa a terroristic organization, and then all of a sudden you have the Black Lives Matter movement spawn and basically become Antifa 2.0, maybe even worse. Because they thought, oh, well, how are you going to argue with someone claiming to be anti-fascist? Well, now it's, how are you going to argue against someone claiming that you're a racist if you don't support their group? And unfortunately, there's just so much hate and division for one another in America that this has gotten to the point where it's basically, you pick your side, you pick your side, and then let's go at it. And I couldn't help but thinking this morning about the American Revolution and how everyone thinks like, oh, well, it was like over some tea or something. And then like we went to war with them. No, dude, it was decades of basically fiscal punishment for the French and Indian War. So here's a little American history backstory for everyone. All right. The French and Indian War was because the French had claimed most of Canada and most of the western portion of the original 13 colonies. England, fearing that it wouldn't be able to continue its westward expansion, or north or south for that matter, because furs were the name of the game back then and you needed to go north and west for fur, they didn't want to go further south. I mean, tobacco was a crop and everything, but it it wasn't, the money back then was in fur. It just was. And they, fearing that they were going to have to go to war with the French anyway, started cutting deals with Native Americans. The French started cutting deals with Native Americans. Eventually, tensions got high, and we went to war. And the French had most of the Indian tribes on their side because the French had better politics with Native Americans because a lot of what the French were doing with Native Americans was complete sovereignty for the Native Americans as long as they traded with the French. Whereas the English would set up forts and this and that, and, you know, they were were conquesting. I mean, that 
that was England in the seventeen in the seventeen hundreds. So um, anyway, they go to war. England tells the the colonies, "Look, man, we're we're defending you. We need you guys to fight." So a lot of those guys that lived in the thirteen colonies had to go to war during that war. And then once it was all said and done, because of the fact that England had you know, conflict elsewhere. They couldn't really afford that war in the first place. And to make up for the losses of that war, they were taxing the colonies. And the, and the reason why they taxed the colonies so hard was because England was dealing with its own revolutionary propaganda and whatnot in its own country. And the last thing they wanted was to impose even further taxes on their own citizens. So they thought, all right, well, Let's just tax the hell out of the ones in the 13 colonies. And that's what the, that's exactly what they did. And it took... Hey, Google, when was the first tax from England on the original 13 colonies? According to history.com... There you go, 1765. So it was a decade of harsh tax imposition and soldier quartering... Before the, uh, before the 13 colonies were able to declare war, and then eventually a year later, declare independence. And I just kept thinking in my head this scenario of desperation and how that's basically where we sit today. I mean, you listen to Joe Biden's speech yesterday, and Kamala Harris echoed the same, same message, is, is that, look... If Trump wins in November, the violence isn't going away. And it's it, it won't. I, I wholeheartedly believe it won't. I think the biggest difference is that as soon as Trump gets reelected and goes into his lame duck pres- presidency, he won't need to care, man. He won't need to care about a political action. He'll be able to do whatever he wants. And I think that, and, and I don't agree with him for doing this. I, I sincerely do not. I think the reason these things have been allowed to continue and he hasn't just slammed the hammer down of federal law is because he wanted people to see what a Democrat-led party country would look like. And that's what it would look like. Now, we can get into arguments about, oh, well, you know, BLM this and, and, you know, DNC that. Look, the bottom line is what? George Soros... Funds Black Lives Matter. George Soros funded Antifa. George Soros was paying the protesters in Portland and Seattle and other places in the country. That's undisputed. And the other undisputed thing about George Soros is that George Soros has a habit of giving millions of dollars to DNC candidates that he knows will do what he wants. He wants as much political and social instability as possible. Because for him, it means more power. For him, it means more control. So this stuff ain't going away. And I believe that countries like... It's, it's ironic because you turn on MSNBC and it's Russia this, Russia that. And I, I don't doubt that Russia has political interests in our country. I don't doubt that... China has political interests in our country. Brazil, Germany, the UK, France, England, Spain, they all do. They all do. They all want to see certain things happen a certain way. And my fear is that they know none of it can happen without the fall 
of America, without the fall of patriotism, without the fall of security, stability, law and order, whatever you want to call it. And that's why I believe that this is going to get pushed for at least, I don't know, 10, 20 more years. It's not going away. It's not like once the election happens November 3rd, this is all going to go away. My fear is that it gets even worse. Because we had Hillary sit there and tell the TV cameras during the convention that Trump stole the election because she had 3 million more votes. Well, I'm sorry. That's not how it works in America. We don't vote on a popular election. We vote on Electoral College. And I'm not sure if I've spoke on this on the podcast or not, but when I was at the University of Illinois, I had people constantly telling me why popular vote is better and, oh, well, it's equal and this and that, but it's, it's not. Now, to get down to why we have an Electoral College, it's because during the ratification of the Constitution of the United States, the smaller states, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, they didn't want to be part of America because they were scared that the states like New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia would just dominate them politically because of their sheer size. So the reason why every state, no matter population, gets two senators and the reason why we have an electoral college system is because we're giving those small states a, a vote, a say, a chance, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you look at a state like, hey, Google, what's the population of Wyoming? In 2019, 578,000. 578,000. 578, that wouldn't even fill... <sighs> I'm trying to think. that I could add Waukegan, Gurney, Zion, Kenosha... And, and like a couple of Mitt Rockford, and I'd probably almost be to that number. And that's their entire state. Now you tell me if we had a popular vote, what presidential candidate would go and speak in Wyoming? They wouldn't go to Wyoming, Idaho, Utah, the Dakotas, uh, a lot of southern states like Nevada... Arizona, New Mexico, they wouldn't waste their time. They'd go to New York, Illinois, and California, and maybe Texas, and maybe Florida. And that would be about it. Maybe your Pennsylvanias and Ohios. But they would focus on the three most populous cities in, the, in America and screw the rest of them. And that's why it's so important, because that's what you need in politics. You need a difference of opinion. It used to be that we had healthy differences of opinion. Now, all of a sudden, it's being broken down to as simple as, well, you're on that side, I'm on that side, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you out. And on the other side, they're saying, well, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you out, even if it means hurting you. And that's where we're heading, even if it means hurting you. And that's why I... I, I believe that people like Soros, they want to see this stuff continue. They want a revolution. They want a civil war. They want America to crumble. And it blows my mind because I, I, I don't know where people think, well, let's go into that. So the second, well, no, the second point was the Facebook thing. And my third point was this. But so 
I was listening to this video today of a, a live video of this guy who was watching the Trump motorcade after it left the uh, airport there, and the Waukegan Airport, and the guy's like yelling at the people who, because obviously he had Trump supporters, he had BLM supporters, which is funny because no jo- no Joe Biden supporters, <laughs> you didn't see one Joe Biden side, so whatever. Anyway, um, so. The guy's saying, oh, well, you're both being manipulated and blah, blah, blah. I just, it astounds me how people can so quickly forget what happened four years ago. Four years ago, every time you turn on Fox, you had guys like Greg Gutfeld, Tucker Carlson, Neil Cavuto. Um, I don't know. There were, a few, there were a few others with their own shows. And they were all saying how much they disliked and did not trust Donald Trump. And it wasn't until after Trump won, well, he didn't win, but he helped win several Congress seats that the GOP establishment, he used to call it the Trump, the Trump bump. That's what he used to say when he would go run for, he would help these guys run. He'd say, oh, I'm going to go to South Carolina and give so-and-so the Trump bump. Every time I go and see one of these guys, they go way up in the polls. And it was true. They did go up in the polls because the GOP the frickin' scumbags that they are. This is why they didn't get shit done for the first two years of Trump's presidency. Because they didn't want to make the guy look good. They were hoping that he was a fluke. That they could make it so where he didn't get anything done. And then they could get one of their GOP establishment shells to go in there and be the puppet. They didn't want him. I promise they did not want him. Why in the world would the only conservative news network go out of its way to talk about how bad their candidate was? The guy won, and they still didn't like him. So it just proved to me, that really proved to me that this guy means business. Before Trump, I was used to the politics of Obama and Bush where you vote for these assholes, they tell you they're going to do something, it takes them four years to even get something on the floor, and then it's, oh, well, you better reelect me, otherwise it won't get done. Whereas Trump, two weeks, two weeks into his presidency, gets tariffs on China. And that's all I wanted. because, And that shows you how demoralized I was in American politics. I literally picked one single issue and I just said man I pray to God I can get that one issue done from them just that one and he did it he didn't wait he didn't make it a campaign goal of the next election he got it done that term among a plethora of other things that he got done and this is what always frustrates me if you don't like Donald Trump let me sit down and give you every single political policy decision that he's made in his four years, and let's see if you still feel the same after hearing all of those decisions. I wholeheartedly doubt that if anyone could sit down and rationally criticize the, po- the policy decisions of Donald Trump if they could not like him after hearing those things. I do not, do not, do not, do not, do not care about how someone lives their life 
as President of the United States. And that's why they went out of their way to morally subjugate him during the election. Because they knew on policy they'd lose a hundred times out of a hundred. Because notice, when that election started, what did they do? They criticized the wall. Then they realized they're not going to win that fight on the wall. And that was his big policy decision. Then they, then they thought, well, well, maybe we'll be able to get him on the China thing. Maybe we'll be able to show that he's a racist on the China thing. Then they realized, oh shit, America's waking up. They're realizing that China's the Russia of the 60s. They're not safe anymore as long as that country goes unchecked. So then they thought, well, if we can't get him on his policy, we'll, ha we'll have to go for him morally. And that's where all the, you know, he's a misogynist, a sexist, a xenophobic, a homophobic, a racist, a blah, 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 blah. That's when that came into play. Because how do you prove that you're none of those things? You can't. And this is why I've always told people, why doesn't he just come out and say that he's, he's not cool with uh, white supremacy? Because how, how the fuck do you answer that question? Hey, David, are you a racist? No. Yes, you are. Well, like, where? how do I quantify it? How do I give you a number? How do I show you? I can't. It's a dead end. It's an absolute dead end. And everyone knows it. And yet we all pretend like somehow, some way, if he were to say a certain soundbite, all of a sudden everyone would love him. They'll never love him. No matter what. Anyway, I had to take a second there because I just, I'm getting so, I don't even know the word for it. I want to say apathetic, but I'm not apathetic because I still care and I still do my thing and I still try and talk to people and, you know, I, uh, oh, so let me throw that in there. Speaking of politics, I don't know how many of you guys are aware, but there's a Senate race in Massachusetts this year and there's a gentleman running for the Republican nomination in Massachusetts and he's, his name is Dr. Shiva and Dr. Shiva's gotten really popular during the whole C-19 uh, scandemic, scaredemic, scamdemic. But um, anyway, so he got really popular because this guy, he is a four-degree holder from MIT. He has a doctorate from MIT. And at 14 years old, he was the person who invented the very first email system. He's been in Time Magazine. He was supposed to give the uh, national speech on boosting immunity and now they don't they obviously didn't have him there because he spoke out against uh, how we handled the coronavirus in America and abroad and they were like well if you're not going to conform to our way of thinking you're out so he decided well you know what what else can I do I guess I'll run for uh, state senator and I know that they got their primary their primary was yesterday I checked my Instagram today and I couldn't, oh, speaking of Instagram, guys, please, 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 please follow the Instagram page. I, I, when I start talking about what's going to happen with Facebook, and, and don't get me wrong, I know Facebook and Instagram are owned by the same company, by the same person, but in my experience, Instagram is way, 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 way less censored, and I think a lot of it has to do with how the algorithms work, but 
Anyway, um, getting back to Dr. Shiva. So Dr. Shiva had his uh, primary on Monday, September 1st. So I'm hoping that the results will come out, I guess, tomorrow for you guys, Wednesday. Um, I'm really surprised they haven't come out already, which I guess is a good sign because no news is good news. But, um, yeah, he's a great guy. If you haven't heard of him, his name's Dr. Shiva, S-H-I-V-A. I I guarantee you pop his name up in a search bar. You're going to see all types of uh, commentary on the guy, and you'll be able to see some really, really, really good videos. And I love the way he speaks. Uh, I love the way that he's proud of where he came from. So he's, he's from India. He was in the caste system. And he always says, you know, my family under that system, that racist, uh, oppressive caste system was supposed to pick coconuts for the rest of their life. And uh, we weren't going to do that. So we came to America when I was seven years old and the story goes on from there. And he, he really motivates me because he reminds me that mm-hmm. a lot of the time, sorry about that, a lot of the time uh, people get money or whatnot and they lose touch with with where they came from and I feel like that was one of the things that I was always really attached to about living in the Chicagoland area because Chicago is a very very tough gritty blue collar city and people aren't proud to to be show-offs there like it's not California there I mean don't get me wrong there are show-offs in the city but if you ever notice a lot of those guys are like, you know, trying to grow a beard and drink craft beer and, you know, smoke cigars. Like, and I'm not saying, I love all those things. I'm not saying <laughs> not to do those things. What I'm saying is that I feel like people a lot of the time in that area are trying to show, as Australians would say, how blokey they are, like how blue collar, how just like you they are. And I think that that has always resonated in our sports teams because if you look at guys like you know Jordan or Jonathan Taze or um I almost said Mitchell Trubisky but he's an absolute joke uh we could go defenders you can go you know Singletary, Erlacher, Buckkiss, you know uh, uh um um Peyton you know all these guys who just showed up and did their job and they they didn't have these we're not the cowboys you know we're not huge flamboyant look at me you know like Randy Moss with the Vikings like we've never had a player like that really I mean I guess you could argue Brandon Marshall for a little bit there but Brandon had his own things going on and, and in my opinion he, he really did do a good job while he played for the Bears but now we're like Getting off topic, my point is this, is that it's a hard-working city, and one of my fondest memories of a Chicago team was when, so if you don't know, if the Bulls score over 100 and win, everybody gets a free Big Mac that goes to the game. And the Bulls were up by like 20. This is, I don't know, probably 2012 or 13, I want to say. Anyway... So, they're up by, like, 20. It's, like, a minute and a half to go in the fourth quarter. And the Bulls need, like, three points to break 100. And <laughs> Joe Noah gets the ball at the top of the arc and shoots a three. 
<laughs> Tibbs is losing his mind, screaming at him. And then they interviewed him after the game. And uh, they're like, hey, Joe, you know, you're not a good shooter at all. Like, what were you thinking taking a three there at the top of the arc uh, late in the fourth quarter? And he's like, look, man, we were up big. Uh, I got the ball. Clock was running down on the shot clock. Uh, I know the people of Chicago really, really love their free Big Mac. And, uh, you know, I just really love this city. And uh, I, th- I thought maybe I could help him out. And I just thought that was the greatest interview ever. Uh, it, you know, and like the White Mamba chance that Scalabrini used to get. Like, Chicago's one of those cities where, like, for example, I have a, I have a Brian Bickle jersey. You know, like, who knows his name? No one. No one knows his name. I mean, not no one, but if you're a, a gritty guy like me, you know, you're looking for the guys that are doing the dirty work, and that was him. That was always him. I was so glad because he actually did score. Was it a Stanley Cup goal or a playoff goal? I'm pretty sure he has a Stanley Cup goal. But anyway, point is is that he's just it's, – it's one of those cities where you appreciate those guys that are doing – getting the hard yards, just like uh, – Mike Wells, I remember one year, Mike Wells, he was my favorite defensive tackle for the Bears in the 90s. And the Bears were, it was another terrible season in the 90s. I think they went like 3-13 and 13 that season or some shit, but they were playing at home against the Packers late in the fourth, field goal to win it, and, and Mike Wells blocks the field goal, and I just, I lost my mind. Like, man, did I love that guy. Like, he played hard every single down, no matter how bad that team was. That guy gave 100, 100% no matter what. So I just, I really miss that, uh, that blue-collarness. Okay, so yeah, Dr. Shiva, that's what we were talking about. Anyway, so Dr. Shiva's running. He's a, he's a really cool blue-collar guy. He goes out. He does the hard yards campaigning, a lot like Trump did in 2016. He goes out of his way to go out and see his constituents and I think it, in the end, that's really going to help him, not only for this election, but in the future. Because people remember that kind of stuff. So um, so please check him out. Hear his message. Uh, my favorite things that he says are, number one, one rule for them, another rule for us. Which is so true. That's exactly what we've seen with coronavirus. It's like... The mayor of Chicago, like, oh, stay home, don't go out. Oh, well, I got my hair did, but yeah, like, you know, I'm the mayor of Chicago. <laughs> okay, all right, Nancy Pelosi, another one, that just came out today. You know, Pritzker, he, he was like, yeah, I'm going to shut everything down in Illinois, and then I'm going to go to my summer home in Wisconsin, see y'all later. So it's always one rule for them, another rule for us. And the other thing that he always brings up is that why do we keep voting for lawyers? They're all lawyers, and that's what I, you know, when I went to school, I asked the guys, I said, hey, I want to get into politics, what's the best route? They said, well, get a degree in political science and then go to law school, because that's all, and that's, that's what we think a politician is, and, and like Shiva says, we keep voting for these people who are nothing like us that don't think like us and expect them to do what's best for us. They're lawyers. Lawyers don't care about anything besides profit, and I'm not saying there aren't good lawyers out there. But I'm saying, as Shiva says, lawyer is one of the only professions where you cannot win or you cannot do your job, get someone off of a case, and still get paid. You get paid, win or lose. You get paid for 
dragging things out and, you know, basically not doing a good job. So I, I really hope that the people that listen to this go out and check him out and, uh, yeah, hear what he has to say. He's, he's a really, really motivating person. He motivates me. He motivates me to do what I can do. And that's a lot of what I keep hearing from those that I love and care about when I speak to them about what goes on in the world and this and that. And the other thing is I get that same answer every time. Oh, I'm just one person. I'm just one person. I'm just one person. I'm just one person. Yeah, you're just one person among a sea of other one persons. As soon as you speak out, you'd be surprised how many people are just waiting, lying and waiting for you to, for, to follow. Or there might even be somewhere out there that, you know, someone wants to lead you. You don't always have to be the leader. I'm not saying either is good. I think they're both good. I think it's great to lead and I think it's great to follow. And I don't think you can lead without being a follower. And I don't think you can follow without being a leader. When you're just a follower, you forget how hard it is to lead. When you're a leader, you forget how hard it is you make it for people to follow. So, anyway, please check Shiva out. And, um, yeah, I, I hope... I, I, I've seen that the uh, listens on the podcast have kind of picked up. Like, I put out an episode and I get the listens pretty much within three days. And, you know, that motivates me to make more and... and What's going to make this work is if the people that listen to me now continue and by word of mouth help me in the future. So now let's pivot to, uh, I don't know, maybe the last thing that I talk about in this week's podcast. But that's, so I don't know if you guys have seen, but Facebook is changing its terms and conditions on October 1st, ironically, one month before the election. And uh, the new terms say that Facebook can prevent, remove, or censor any information that you access if they deem it to be false, misleading, or a liability to the company of Facebook. So... (laughs) Get ready October 1st when that algorithm changes... And, I I mean, there's already a giant skew towards left-leaning policy on Facebook. But you're you're about to see that stuff on steroids, man. And they're just going to keep getting more and more desperate for this election. And, you know, let's talk about that real quick. So, the election, I was one of the only people that called the 2016 election. If you know me... You know that I I was on the fence, and then for that last year or so, knew that Trump was going to win. And I wore the MAGA hat at school, and, you know, my professors knew that I I was going to vote for him, and I supported him, and, and, you know, took some real balls back then. I think it takes even more balls now, though, because I feel like you're much, 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 much more likely to be harmed for being a Trump supporter today than you were in 2016. I mean, the threat was there in 2016, but it's nothing like it is today. And that's the scary thing, and that's what you're hearing. Now, I don't want to get into the Rittenhouse stuff, because I think until everything's out and we know exactly what happened, 
there's no point in having an opinion on it. But I will say this. Him going to Kenosha and illegally carrying a firearm does not negate his right to self-defense. And I hear that a lot of the time here in Australia. It's like, I can't wear a MAGA hat because I'm told that it's inciting. It's inciting violence. No, what's inciting violence is the BLM guy in D.C. talking about how he's going to kill all them motherfucking cops and how he's going to burn the fucking White House down. And if they don't get some serious laws passed, that they're going to go burn them motherfuckers too. That's inciting violence. Me wearing a hat is not inciting violence. This is why you've had First Amendment protections for profanity on T-shirts. You know, I, I, I knew guys in the Army that used to wear Antichrist shirts, like an upside-down cross, Satanistic T-shirts all the time. The Army didn't do anything because he has his right to freedom of expression just like everyone else. Well, you don't really have... You have freedom of expression in the Army up until you put the uniform on. Really, and you can never like. Let's say I was in the army and I gave a political speech and and told people that I was in the army. I can't do that. I can give it as David Kelly. I can't give it as Specialist Kelly. Those are two different things, and that goes for a lot of jobs: the post office, you know, any government job. You can't give it from the perspective of you being a government employee. But anyway, the point is, is this: is that an article of clothing, no matter how offensive, which Make America great again. I don't know how that's that offensive. There's no profanity. There's no racial slur. There's no attacking a religion. There's, it's literally a statement. Make America great again. Why that is inciting violence, I have no idea. But that's what I've been told. And that's what Kyle's being told as well. You were there. You're not from Kenosha. We don't care if, if Antioch's only like a 30-minute drive. All we care about is you shouldn't have been there, so therefore we don't care that you would have gotten murdered. And that's, some, that, that's a really scary precedent that we're setting. So my point is this. Come October 1st, 2020, Facebook, the billionaire, if not... I mean, surely we're pushing, I mean, Zuckerberg can't be that far behind Bezos. But come October 1st, 2020, when the algorithms change and they dictate even more what you can and can't see, it, it, it's going to push you push everyone in my opinion, it should anyway, to go out on your feet in public and voice your opinion. We've, we've seen it, and, and the, you know, the Arab Spring really should have been our biggest red flag. Like you had this huge push for democracy with the Arab Spring because of social media, and then all of a sudden their governments pushed back. So that should have been the warning sign that, look, Government will be able to control social media eventually. It's only a matter of time. And that's what you're seeing with Facebook and, you know. Why people think BLM's the anti-establishment movement 
when it's funded by places like, or things like Facebook and, and Twitter and, you know, CNN, MSNBC, Hollywood, sports teams, blah, 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 blah. If you're supported by the establishment, how the hell are you anti-establishment? Anyway, point is this. There's a calling now. There's a movement now for us to get up off our ass, stop having these stupid discussions on social media thinking that we're changing the world, and go out in the real world and tell people what you think. Everyone that knows me knows that I say what I think. I don't care if it upsets people. I don't care if it ruins a friendship. I don't. If it ruins a friendship, then you weren't my friend in the first place. If it makes a situation awkward between you and I, then I don't want to have interactions with you in the first place. So, do, go out and say and do what you think and you feel. God did not put us on this planet to be slaves. Period. You are infinity. You are not finite. And you sure as hell ain't a slave. So the next time someone wants you to sit down and shut the fuck up, you think in your head, am I going to live with this later? Is this the example I want to set for my children? Just lay down, do what you're told, don't stand up for what you believe in. And this goes back to the point that I made earlier in the podcast. It took 10 years of those arrogant, disrespectful, crippling taxes for America to get up off its knees and do something about it. And like David Icke says, get off your knees, humanity. We are the many, they are the few. If everyone went out tomorrow and said, fuck the speed limit, I'm going to drive however fast I want, could the cops ever stop you? No. It's all an illusion. It's like how the Nazis used to shoot random people off the trains. Compliance. All anyone can think is, well, I hope it ain't me. Whereas if every single person getting off stormed the, the guards, what would happen? They'd lose. You, couldn't, you wouldn't be able to shoot that many people that quickly. You would lose. That's how riots happen in prisons. Guys get brave enough to not care if it's them. That's how D-Day was. They knew. One in four knew they would die. But when you, when you do everything as one... There's no opportunity for oppression. So on that note, let me reiterate, please check out Dr. Shiva if you haven't heard of him yet. Um, please promote the podcast. I feel like we're starting to gain some momentum and I want to capitalize on it. And I need to get the Instagram for the page going too. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to keep Facebook. And um, don't be afraid. Do you. Don't be scared. Have an opinion. Show up. Show people who you are, who you really are. 
You'd be surprised who else wants to join you. Don't be scared. Start with your community. Start with you. Start with your family. Start with those that you care about. And for the ones that you care about that don't see things your way, well, that's their right too. That's okay. Still love them. Still be there. And just leave this stuff out of it. But don't hide who you are or how you feel. And with that, I bid everyone have a uh, good week. And uh, I'll try and do a podcast once a week from now on. And uh, hopefully the next podcast I do, we can uh, talk about Dr. Shiva victory for Senate uh, primary for the Republican Party. So, uh, yeah. Stay woke. Stay watchful.